Hi, this is Peter Kaiser, Editor-in-Chief of Retinal Physician. Thank you for joining us on this edition of the Retinal Physician podcast series. Today, we're joined by Dr. Timothy Murray of Murray Ocular Oncology and Retina, who's also a professor of ophthalmology at the Bascom Palmer Eye Institute. Thanks for joining us today, Tim. Peter, my pleasure to be with you. So, Tim, you served as a member of the Novartis Safety Review Committee, and you witnessed firsthand some of the inflammatory complications that have arisen in both post-marketing surveillance of brolicizumab, as well as a deeper dive into the Hawk and Harrier Phase three studies. Can you describe for our listeners, what are some of the characteristics of this inflammation uh, that your Safety Review Committee found? So, Peter, thank you. I think these are really important issues, not just for brolicizumab, but for really all of the advanced biologics that we are looking at and continuing to evaluate. I think we've um, recognized that this inflammatory alteration um, is the hallmark of, of this presentation. And we can see cells in the anterior chamber and we can see cells in the vitreous. Many of these eyes developed a progression from this inflammatory um, vitritis predominantly, but really almost a panuviitis into the development of vasculitis, and then had the potential to develop an occlusive vasculitis. And I think that that was something that we really hadn't seen to this degree previously. And I think it's interesting because, as you know, um, brolicizumab was approved with an FDA review based on the Hawk and Harrier results. And it was approved because the endpoint, which is visual acuity, um, was actually similar between brolicizumab and the comparator. And I think that's really interesting because what it suggests is that the anatomic endpoint and the visual endpoint were similar in the studies, but the mechanism of visual loss may have been quite different. Yeah, totally agree. It's actually interesting that when, when Hawk and Harrier was looked at again and, and the reevaluated by the Safety Review Committee, the actual intraocular inflammation rate really didn't change between the previous label and, and the new label. What, what changed was was this the addition of vasculitis and retinal occlusive vasculitis, which wasn't really recognized uh, in, the, in the original go-around, largely because it's not part of the MEDRA database, and so many investigators didn't classify it as such. So, Tim, knowing this and, and knowing uh, what we've learned now through the work of the Safety Review Committee, if you put a patient of yours on brolicizumab, what are some of the monitoring guidelines you'd recommend our listeners perform? So I, I think there are monitoring guidelines that really, to me, are imperative for all of the patients that we treat with an advanced biologic. So I've, as you know, been a big proponent of the fact that the patient needs to be examined um, and imaged prior to their injection. And that examination for me is a comprehensive review. So I want to look at their anterior segment and their anterior vitreous with the slit lamp. I want to dilate my patients, and I want to review their peripheral and posterior fundus. It's also interesting, Peter, that when we started to look at the OCTs with the kind of focus that we were able to bring now that we recognized this um, finding, we were able to see vitreous cells 
on the OCT in virtually all of the patients that had a significant inflammatory component. I think that we had all kind of looked past those findings and we had all looked past the anterior segment um, when we were treating our patients previously. And now I stop and specifically pay attention to that in every patient that's being injected with a biologic. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, especially in a setting of COVID. You know, we, we wouldn't necessarily want to do a very close examination of the anterior segment looking for anterior chamber cell and flare. But I think it's imperative if we use this drug or really any anti-VEGF drug that we, we spend the time to ensure that our patients are safe. Maybe we were seeing this or weren't seeing this be, and were, it was occurring with some of our other treatments and we just didn't didn't know it. Now, what about if you have a patient who actually presents uh, at their routine follow-up visit from their injection with some inflammation? Uh, is there anything you do differently at this point? So fortunately, um, our clinical experience within our practice has we've been blessed without really having a significant incidence of these type of events. But what we do, Peter, anytime we see an inflammatory response on, on a patient scheduled for injection that day is that we, one, hold the injection, and, and that's in the label, really, of, of our two predominant anti-VEGFs. Um, and then for me, I will treat that inflammatory response to suppress that using a topical um, steroid initially reassess the patient in a short interval follow-up, and if they have cleared the inflammation, I'll proceed with the anti-VEGF injection. If they don't respond to an aggressive topical therapy over a short course, I'll consider in injecting steroid into the eye itself and use an intravitreal steroid injection or a periocular steroid injection. Yeah, I think one of the things we've seen from some of the papers describing this, as well as some of the papers uh, that are up and coming from, from the think tank and the safety review committee, is that it's it's really important, obviously, to rule out an infectious cause. But once we know this is truly inflammatory in nature, to, to treat it very aggressively, because those are the patients who appear to get the best outcome. And, and as Tim has mentioned, really holding any additional treatment, whether it be with brolicizumab or even another anti-VEGF agent, uh, until that inflammation is, is really under control. Tim, when these patients uh, come, do you uh, image them any differently? Um, do, do you add anything or, or are you just doing your uh, OCT at that point? So Peter, that's a great question. First, I'll tell you that often these patients um, clue us in that there's a problem. So we are very focused in our patients with anti-VEGF injections um, now that if a patient calls and they're having symptomatic alterations, they feel like they're, um, there's a problem post the injection, we now wanna see those patients much more aggressively than we did in the past. That's number one. And then number two, because the finding that we're most concerned about here is a vasculitic change potentially an occlusive vasculitis. And in many of these cases, the far periphery exhibited the vasculitic alterations before the macula. I think it's important that we look at the far periphery. 
If you're lucky, you may have an OCTA that you can use a non-invasive assessment. Some of the wide-field imaging systems allow you even to steer an OCT out in the periphery. Or, of course, we have the capacity to do um, fluorescein angiography with wide-field, ultra-wide-field imaging. I think it's important to, to think of this as when it is advanced a vascular disease and assess the vasculature of these eyes um, aggressively. Well, as always, Tim, to the point and, and very, very informative. Tim is one of my mentors. I, I always enjoy speaking with him. So thank you so much for being part of the Retinal Physician Podcast Series. To our listeners, thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us uh, in our next series. Peter, thanks for having me join you.